0: Amen. Well, Merry Christmas a little early. I hope uh, you have some or all of your Christmas shopping done. At least you've started. That's my prayer for you. Uh, Before we launch today, uh, and you're now thinking about how many Christmas presents you haven't bought, uh, a couple of public service announcements for you. Uh, First of all, uh, last month, that would be November, uh, early in the month, uh, you, as a church family, voted uh, for us to enter into an agreement uh, to sell uh, 201, 201 South Friendswood Drive, uh, which you and I know as the Dun Brothers Coffee Company. Uh, if you don't know, we own owned the land and the building and Dunn Brothers leased it from us. But uh, as of the week of Thanksgiving, uh, Dunn Brothers Corporation now owns all of it and we have money in the bank. So uh, that was a big deal, answer to prayer. Uh, I appreciate uh, particularly Michael Goolsby and our finance committee and our trustees uh, for making all of that happen in a very smooth and efficient way and that's a great thing. The second public service an- announcement is regarding New Year's Eve. Uh, that Sunday, we have one service at 11, Katie mentioned that earlier, but at the conclusion of that service, uh, because of a little communication error uh, back in November, we will have to have a special called business meeting to vote on our committees uh, for 2024, and so if you're a guest that day, if you're a guest today, and you're like, hey, I'm going to come on New Year's Eve, you get to hang out for like five extra minutes, and just enjoy listening to uh, us vote on our committees, which will take a very short amount of time. But uh, you'll see those that list next week, Christmas Eve, and uh, we'll go from there so that our committees can function well in the new year. Uh, now, uh, as you might know, uh, Christmas is coming in eight days. I think it's eight days. Uh, eight Maids of Milking is the song. Uh, that's the Uh, Eighth Day of Christmas, right? Uh, My true love sent to me. I always think it's gave to me, but it's sent is the actual line. Uh, Eight maids of milking. Eight days away. And every year uh, for since probably the third century AD, pastors, leaders, teachers have been attempting to every year come up with something unique and different on a story that hasn't changed in 2,000 years. And like four passages of Scripture that are the same uh, every Christmas. The same is true at Easter. It's the hardest time of the year for most pastors because uh, you know the story. Jesus was born. Yay. Amen. Right? And and so how do we do that? So this year, uh, I ran Philippians all the way up to the last moment and even had people say, why are we waiting so long to start Christmas? Because. uh, Because. But today, uh, we're going to look uh, at one of the key characters uh, of the Christmas story in Joseph. And hopefully it will encourage you, be a great reminder to you, an inspiration to you. So if you got a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 1. We'll be there in just a moment. But I want to set the stage for you. Most of you know this anyway, that uh, in the ancient world, uh, and even today, uh, in the modern world, in some countries, uh, marriages are, are mostly arranged. Now, maybe not like you and you together, but in some ways, these families come together, discuss. There's, a, in some sense, a contractual agreement that these two family members, a man and a woman, are going to come together in marriage. And, and how that usually happened was there would be an arrangement among the family. There, there would be probably some time, and then there would be a betrothal period, which is more than engagement for us. Uh, Betrothal period was usually a year-long period where this man and woman were more than engaged. They actually would be called husband and wife during this period, but they would not live together. They would still live in their own homes. And and at the end of that year, if the relationship had maintained, there had been purity maintained, that there was faithfulness among both parties, then the husband... The groom would go to the wife's home and have a processional march to bring him, bring her to his house, and then they would have a giant celebration. Just like we have big weddings today, they had big weddings back then. Jesus performed his first miracle uh, at a wedding in Cana uh, when everybody was celebrating. Same idea here, but that year period between sort of the engagement, what we would call today engagement, and the marriage was much more important than it is today today. It it, it was a contractual agreement. And if there was unfaithfulness um, in either party, the marriage would be annulled as if it never happened. Not like what we have today in divorce. There was a divorce back then as well, and we'll read about it. But but this was a serious issue. And so in this story that we're going to read today, this account we're going to read today, uh, we see that. This in-between time is significantly important. And when there's chaos surrounding that time, there are hard decisions that have to be made. There's heartbreak and discouragement. Um, But we'll see today that the Lord is faithful and he is true and he is good. So if you've got a Bible, Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read the birth of Jesus as seen through the eyes of his stepdad, Joseph. And so when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. You imagine Joseph in this time period. Imagine you're Joseph in this sort of engagement, betrothal period. And you get word that Mary, your fiancé, betrothed wife, is pregnant. Now, probably Joseph was the last one to find out (laughs) because this kind of news travels the circle before it gets back to the person who really needs to know. Like everybody else probably knew except Joseph. And then he finally gets word that at some point in this one-year time frame, he finds out that Mary is pregnant. And he's not the father. Immediately in that moment, you see Joseph's character rise up. You can imagine his heartbreak like devastation. The person I love and care for, that I hope to be my wife, has somehow, some way, been unfaithful to me. This devastated, probably doesn't know what to do. But he loved her. And he loved her so much that he didn't want to humiliate her. He didn't want to make a public spectacle of her. And there's a little line in in verse 20 that probably most of us in this, as we read this story, we kind of skip over. But he says, but as he considered these things, considered considered his anger his frustration the betrayal the loss of relationship the the considered who did this why did they do that why would mary do that all of those questions in that moment he's considering all of that like he's thinking through what am i going to do how am i going to handle this I don't know if you even know that VH1 still exists, the the TV channel. So you guys may not know. But for us that have been around a while, like it used to be like the adult contemporary version of MTV in the sense of music videos. What will I... I was looking today, kind of researching this about like unfaithfulness, cheating, how do you respond, emotion. And all of a sudden this TV show comes up on, you know, the internet, Cheaters. I'm like, wow. I didn't click on any of it because who knows what you're going to get. But Cheaters, there is a TV show devoted, and you might have seen it, devoted to humiliating people who cheat on their partner. For 22 seasons, (laughs) 22 seasons of people confronting their cheating spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And I mean making a public spectacle of it. There wasn't too much consideration, I don't think. They just looking for a quick buck to make up for their pain. entire TV show devoted to responding to cheaters. Or maybe you've seen recently uh, on TikTok, Instagram Reels, whatever, social media, th- this idea that, that a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend has caught uh, their significant other cheating and so they, they conceive this elaborate plan to embarrass them Publicly, before hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions of people on social media. And so what they do is they blindfold them. And oftentimes they make them hold like poster board with things like, I cheated with my boyfriend's brother, you know, stuff like that. And they're blindfolded. They think they're getting a big prize or a big gift. And all the while they're doing this and whoever's filming him, the boyfriend or girlfriend is dumping all their stuff into the front yard so, when they open their eyes, or they got a giant cake that says cheater on it so they can throw it in their face, or the most recent one I saw was the poor young lady was blindfolded as she's doing it, the, and they're inching her along a diving board so that when she gets to the end, she'll fall in. There's a lot of things to consider when you've been cheated on, right? There's, there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of things that we can do when our heart is broken, when we're angry and frustrated and mad, when someone has wronged us. There's a lot of things we can do, a lot of things we can do. But Joseph teaches us a great lesson at Christmas that we don't need to overreact in highly emotional situations. It's a great lesson for us to learn that we should not overreact in highly emotional situations. What did he do? He paused to consider. He didn't want to humiliate her. He he wanted to maintain his character as a person who trusted and believed in God. And we have that same opportunity all the time, not just if we have a terrible relational issue We have an emotional dynamic. You're going to have some emotional opportunities at Christmas, I guarantee it. Because families are perfect and always get along and love each other unconditionally in every moment. And so you're going to have an opportunity to actually practice this probably in the next two weeks. College students, welcome home. Uh, You'll have an opportunity to practice that. And so will your parents and your siblings. But, But there's a great Lesson right here for a man who is probably heartbroken to sit back and say, Let me see how to best help her in this moment. And so, as he's considering these things, uh, the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, Do not fear. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. Why? Because this child is different. This situation is different. This is is a, a once in history moment, Joseph. This is a supernatural birth by the Holy Spirit. Joseph probably didn't fully understand what it meant to have a birth by the Holy Spirit. But he's listening to this angel, a messenger of the Lord This is a supernatural birth, not just a unique child, but a -a one-of-a-kind child, the only one, and it's in this moment that God is reminding Joseph of his presence, and maybe you need a reminder that, that even in hard times, God is with you. Even when there's a struggle, even when there's difficulty, even when there's anger and frustration, when there's heartache and struggle, God is with you. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't give up on you. He's with you. And he is reminding Joseph of that in this moment, that even in hard times, God is with you. He says, take this child as your son, Because he is the lineage of David, which is the big deal to the nation of Israel. A big deal. Because it's further giving evidence of what the prophet said. The virgin shall shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel." This is a special child. And guess what, Joseph? You get to name him. You get to name him. You shall call his name Jesus. You will do that. You, Joseph, will call his name Jesus. Hey, I, I don't know who named you, or if you have kids or grandkids, who named them? Like if it was a joint effort between mom and dad, if if dad was like, this is the name, or mom was like, we're going to choose a family name, or you picked the name out of a hat, or you chose some cool, like, oh, we got to have a Bible name, so we seem spiritual. You know, I, I don't know what. Or, or like, 15, 20 years ago, all the movie stars and singers were naming their kids weird things like, you know, Apple and North. Um, awesome. Um, until they're 16 or 13 probably and get hit middle school. Or, or, you, or you've got some amazing name that has a special meaning behind it, like it's a it's a name from a, maybe another country or another language, but it has some cool meaning. Or you're like Elon Musk and you named your kid like some letters and numbers, I, I, like, I, I don't know. But names are important, right? Names are critical. Names tell you kind of who you are. And Joseph, the stepdad, got to name the savior of the world. What a privilege. What, what, what an honor. What a theologically important name. You get to name him Jesus which means Yahweh, God, is salvation. The Lord saves his people. He saves his people from their sin, not from a a physical enemy, the Romans. No, he saves them to eternity. By his birth, by his life, by his death, and by his resurrection. And so Joseph, in this dream, I'm assuming, realizes the importance of this child. And so he does exactly what God says. He obeys. He didn't, he didn't wait. He didn't consider it a little longer like, oh, let me, uh, angel of the Lord, I'll, let me, let me, I'll take your advice into considera- under consideration. Thanks for sharing. I appreciate your wisdom. I know you've never done that. Taken godly advice and said, "Ah, maybe. No, he takes it and obeys. He takes Mary as his wife. He sees the child be born. He names him Jesus. He recognizes that God is fulfilling a unique promise in this moment. This is the coming Savior. Jesus is the coming Savior. God has made true on his promise. Not just to Joseph but to the nation of Israel and to the entire world. He has fulfilled this promise that the prophet spoke of. And so Joseph obeys the Lord. Takes Mary as his wife. Celebrates Jesus in that manger, probably not on December 25th. In a stall in a barn, in a cave, wherever it was. And he's there. And he gets to experience the presence of God. He gets to experience the presence of God in his child. God made a promise to his people. God made a promise to Joseph, and he kept his promise. He makes a promise to all people. That's you and me, because salvation first came to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And for most of us, we fall into that second category, the Gentiles. We're not of Jewish descent, but salvation is for everyone. Yahweh, God is salvation, not just for a few, but for everyone. And now, in this moment, sometime In early B.C. or early A.D., whenever Jesus was born, it wasn't 0 A.D., by the way. Whenever he was born, that was the time of salvation. That was the appointed time. This moment, right, this is the moment when God appears to Joseph and says, Salvation has come in this child. His name is Jesus. This was the appointed time of salvation. Joseph got to experience it firsthand with the birth of Christ. And guess what? Today... In 2023, it's the appointed time of salvation. Every day since then was the appointed time of salvation because Christ is alive. He was born. And God is with us. That's why the angel says, they shall call his name Emmanuel. And so if you haven't gotten to this point, Jesus is God. He is God with us. He is God with you. Both of those are true. Jesus is God. The book of John says it. In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. And later on in that passage, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The person of God is with us in Jesus Christ. And Joseph trusted God in this moment when he had very little reason to do so. Are there times in your life when you have little reason to trust God or anybody else? Yes, there are all kinds of those moments in life. Joseph had little reason to trust God. His life has just fallen apart. His relationship potentially over. His reputation in the tank. He had little reason to trust God and yet in that moment, he did. And so I wanna invite you today remind you today to put your hope in the Lord, to believe that he sent his one and only son to save you, to rescue you, to deliver you from your sin and to give you a home in eternity. And I wanna invite you to put your faith in Jesus. And for some of you, that that idea of putting my faith in Jesus Christ might be brand new. And today may be the day for you that for the first time you say, Yes, I know I need a Savior. Uh, My my life is off track. It's full of heartache and pain, and most of that is self-inflicted. I I fall short of God's perfection, and I need a Savior. I I need forgiveness. I need to be made whole. I I need purpose, and I need peace. Not, Not in 20 or 30 years today. I need purpose and peace. Let me encourage you that God is with you right now and speaking to you and inviting you to receive his son Jesus Christ by faith. To receive him as savior today. But some of you you need to be reminded today that God is with you for the 5,000th time. You, You need to be reminded today that He is your Savior as much today as he was the day when you first put your hope and your faith in him. That today for you, Jesus is God with you. Because it's been a difficult season. It's been hard. It's been hurtful, frustrating. You need to be reminded that when the victories come, that oh, God is with me. And Jesus is by my side in the victory. And if I get that cool new car for Christmas, some of you might. When when the answered prayer comes, Jesus is with me. I need to be reminded today for the 5,000th time that God is with me. That Jesus is my Savior. He's my Savior and he is with me. And so today I want to invite you during our response time I want to invite you to consider, where am I in trusting God? Where where am I in believing that that Jesus is with me? Where where am I in knowing that despite my circumstance, despite the, the joy or the pain of the moment, God is here, right here with me? I want to invite you to consider that today. And so will you bow with me as we pray this morning?